Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is uh, your host Jim Ventura. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, if it's your first time tuning into the show, uh, I do do uh, uh, my Snake Oil Radio show usually the first or second Tuesday of each month, and uh, the good news is up Thursday, Tuesday. I used to do it Tuesday, so I'm a little uh, brain dead apparently this morning, um, this afternoon. <laughs> anyway, it's Thursday afternoon, uh, 2 o'clock uh, Mountain Standard Time, and uh, so we usually do it first or second Thursday of each month. In January, I will be starting to do the show regularly on uh, Thursdays. That is the plan, so uh, once a week. Uh, big commitment for this Sagittarius here. But anyway, again, if it's your first time tuning in, I'm Jim Ventura. I am a uh, spiritual counselor, navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in astrology and numerology, and uh, quite a number of different oracles, tarot, rune stones, uh, druid animal cards, quite a few different things I have expertise in. I'm also a writer and a teacher, and I have um, one published book called Dirty Little Secrets. Um, you can get that available directly through me or through Amazon um, under the title Dirty Little Secrets, and my second book will be uh, in print uh, sometime about the midpoint of 2011, and that will be Snake Oil Volume 1, uh, and this is what our show is all about. I do a monthly uh, blog column called Snake Oil. Uh, I've got uh, about 700 subscribers now, uh, and if you're not already uh, receiving my column, uh, please feel free to contact me uh, by email uh, at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com, and I will gladly add you to the email, uh, the email list. It is a free monthly column. And don't cost you anything, and uh, I have been told by many people, aside from it being uh, very insightful, uh, some people you know feel like they actually get private readings almost just by by reading my, my column. I, I think it, it can be that helpful. So what I like to do uh, on each show is I like to start off by reading my current uh, monthly column, and then I will uh, talk about that for a little bit. And uh, usually about halfway through, I open up the phone lines. If there's anyone on the uh, phone uh, who wants to call in and uh, comment uh, about the uh, subject we're talking about today, uh, always uh, appreciate uh, callers who have some insight or want to share any personal experiences. Also, um, I am open to doing a five-minute little mini-reading um, just to give you some insight into a particular question you may have by pulling an oracle for you. Okay, so that said, let's dive right in here, and I want to read my monthly column to everybody, and uh, then, like I said, from there, I will talk about this a little bit, and uh, then open up the phone lines. Uh, you're also welcome, of course, to join us in the uh, chat room as well, and uh, you can ask questions or make comments from the uh, chat room also, so that's easy enough to do if you're already at a computer. Um, I won't type probably while I'm on air. Um, that's the kind of level of multitasking that um, <laughs> is not something I'm all that adept at. Okay, so this month's column, this is a new column, uh, and it's called Coyote Collision. 
Uh, once a month, I get a comped room at the local Harris Casino here in Phoenix. On my last trip at 2 a.m., I was tired, still had money in my pocket, thought I should just go to bed. When I got back to my room, I figured I would simply drive home instead of staying at the hotel. I volunteered to work a lunch shift at the part-time restaurant job I currently work at and thought I might as well just go home, sleep in my own comfortable bed with my cat. Since I wouldn't have the time to play and enjoy a leisurely breakfast in the morning at the casino, and since it was only a 40-minute drive, I decided to check out early. During the drive home, I passed through the small town of Maricopa and picked up my speed to about 65 miles an hour, which, by the way, is the legal speed limit for the road between the town and uh, the town of Chandler. The traffic was light and non-existent at such a late hour. I was briefly shocked when I saw something crossing the road in front of me. It was a huge white coyote walking directly in front of my car. Time stopped for a brief moment as I made eye contact with this large white animal that also made eye contact with me. His or her expression and posture seemed to say that this was his territory, his road, and he was not changing his path. As I looked at him, my thought was, are you freaking out of your mind? Why would you so nonchalantly step in front of a moving car that could easily kill you? It reminded me of the majority of pedestrians I see crossing intersections in both Las Vegas and in California. I'm continually amazed at how trusting people are that cars will stop and not hit them, especially when the pedestrians are ignoring the rules of the road and often jaywalking. I dramatically swerved to avoid hitting the coyote and quickly maneuvered it into the other lane. Because of the intense speed I was going in my extreme reaction, my, my car spun out of control as I made this daring maneuver. It literally spun around 360 degrees and went backwards into an embankment on the side of the road. Dust and smoke were everywhere, and I can tell that my rear bumper hit into a fence post on the side of the road. I was a little scared, but also thankful that I and my car were still intact. I was glad I avoided hitting the animal. A very cool Mexican man saw the near accident from a distance and pulled over to help me. I was genuinely touched that he did this and truly appreciated his kindness. He helped me get out my car out of the embankment. There were spurs in two of my wheels and my left rear headlight was busted. There were also a few scratches on my rear bumper. Still, the car was fine and I was able to drive home. I got home to kiss the proverbial ground and said a few thankful prayers to the angels that a catastrophe was avoided. I was also thankful that a kind person was there to help me and that Toyota made such great cars. The next day at work, I told the owner of the restaurant what happened and his immediate heterosexual, non-spiritual response was, I don't know why you just didn't hit the stupid thing. After a few minutes, he realized the practical reason why I avoided hitting the coyote. He drives a big truck and I drive a small car. The potential damage to my vehicle, had I hit it, would have been far worse. More importantly to me is that unless I will put myself or others at major risk on the road, I will always do my best to avoid hitting any animal. Hell, it's sometimes unavoidable, but if at all possible, I'm loath to take the life of any living thing unnecessarily. The near accident left me a little phobic about driving in any area that is in the boonies, yet I knew that I had an encounter with the coyote for a reason. I did some research to find out what coyote totem is all about and what its presence means. A few years ago, I had a less dramatic encounter with the coyote, 
and recognize that coyote is similar to wolf in many ways. Wolf teaches us that sometimes we have to cross difficult paths in our lives. It reminds us to be aware of our shadow self and that sometimes it's good to be alone. It can also be a signal that your alone time may be coming to an end. I checked out a few books and websites to find out specifically about Coyote. And a few of the things I learned were, Coyote reminds us that all things are sacred, yet nothing is sacred. Only when all of our masks have fallen away will we connect with our source or higher self. Coyote teaches us to develop the ability to laugh at our own mistakes. He teaches us about shape-shifting and teaches us about a balance between risk and safety. I was coming to the end of an amazing summer. I'd been making decent money, juggling a number of jobs, and I had a little extra cash from cashing in some stock. I had at least one fun vacation each month and often two. I also stepped out of a period of celibacy and started dating again. I was meeting different men both out in the world and on an internet dating site. More often than not, the thousands of men on the site were looking for a quick hookup. But many, including me, were also looking for something more meaningful. I talked to and met dozens of different people over the summer. I had a few good dates, a few really bad ones, and even a couple of one-night stands with some extremely physically attractive guys. I put an end to my celibacy and really enjoyed the human contact and chance to have some fun. Hell, in their own way, even a few, even a few of the idiots that I met still entertain me at some levels. This is one of the benefits of being a writer and a storyteller. Even the bad stories actually are valuable. I thought about the message of Coyote and how that applied to my current situation. I was getting way too caught up in checking the site to talk and set up dates. I was also getting a bit caught up in the one-night stand thing. I have no puritanical, delusional, self-righteous moral issues about enjoying sex. If one is safe about it, I always am. And two consenting single adults, whether gay, straight, bisexual, who decide to have fun with each other, should be able to enjoy the experience without guilt. Life is meant to be enjoyed and celebrated. This includes our sexual needs. The problem, the bigger issue, is that the hunt for a relationship and even just sex can become a trap. While, enjoying, while, enjo while enjoyable at a very base level, hookups can become a way of avoiding real intimacy. My scorecard for connecting with hot guys was more than already full. I was getting pulled away from the sacredness of the sexual experience, getting caught in ego gratification. Apparently, I still had it in my mid-40s and was getting hit on by attractive 20-somethings in addition to my men my own age. My ego felt damn good, but this was something I was simply too old for in a spiritual sense. I'd done this game in my early 30s, and, I was, and it wasn't holding my interest in the way it did back then. It was fun, but quickly getting redundant. Cody was definitely reminding me of all of these things. I was simply paying a little too much attention to play. It was time to become more balanced. I replaced the rear headlight, but left a, a few scratches on my car. I'm not overly concerned about whether my nine-year-old car looks flawless. It was a little bit of a bizarre encounter, maybe a more humorous one than a dire warning. It was a shamanistic passage, one that luckily caused me very little pain. Another fascinating thing I learned about Coyote is that when you encounter Coyote, he stays with you in spirit for the rest of your life. Something had changed in me after my encounter with Coyote. My two abilities have increased dramatically. 
I can now see how our realities are formed both backwards and forwards. Something had shifted eternally, and I had far more clarity about how we form events and how our shadow side also contributes to this process. I have already acquired bear, stag, bull, and hawk as totem animals and allies. Now, I also have the wisdom and power of coyote. It was time to let my fun summer go and get back to work. It was a blast, and I'm glad I allowed myself the time to temporarily turn back to a bit of my younger days. The last two years were a bit tough, weren't they for everyone? It was amazing to experience abundance, enjoy life, and even be a tiny bit reckless. I will still vacation and fun in the future, but it will be less of a priority for a while. Truth is, I really wanted to get back to work. Vacationing is great, but I do enjoy the work that I do. I will happily put away my fun, adventurous summer, get back to work, and open the space for real intimacy again. It is now time to shape-shift into something completely different for the fall. Okay, so I popped that column out, uh, let me see, when I wrote this, in September. So uh, it looks like most of this took place in early uh, September, uh, late August of this year, my little coyote encounter. And, uh, yeah, I'd absolutely uh, want to uh, comment a little bit more on this at a number of different levels. Um, if anyone has uh, read my first book, um, they know that I, you know, I, as, a, as a, a navigational consultant, as an intuitive counselor, you know, one of the things I think that people like about me, maybe some, some people don't like this about me, is I'm not a prude. Um, I, I do feel like um, all areas of, of conversation uh, with, with people are relevant. So I have no issues with talking about sex or relationships or, um, or anything for that matter. Uh, I'm not really much for the, the big taboos uh, that people get hooked on in that sense. So... Um, uh, you know, this is an area that I, I can freely talk about as well with people. Um, I have no issues about my sexuality. Uh, long since buried that crap uh, years ago. Uh, if someone is not uh, happy with my, uh, my my sexual expression, uh, I don't really care. It's basically of no meaning to me. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I do feel that um, it's worth talking about these, these subjects as well, too, in that sense. And, you know, I've, I've gone throughout my life, I've had a few long-term relationships as a general rule. Um, I've been single a lot more than I have been with someone in that sense. So, uh, you know, you run across a physical quandary at times of um, needing um, uh, some level of intimacy or, or sexual contact. So while not a big fan of the uh, one-night stand thing, uh, you know, sometimes it's something that, that can pull you in. And, I, you know, I had talked about this a bit, about this in, in my first book um, when I went through a phase where I was kind of on that type of thing. Uh, you know, more often than not, though, I have to say I'm probably celibate um, simply because, you know, to me, you know, unless you have a, a, a real loving, intimate partner, and there is still a risk factor involved in um, in this type of, of behavioral thing. Again, it is not a moral, ethical issue. I wish more people would, would come to that recognition and get around, away from that type of ridiculousness. It's a, you know, it's a practical issue in that sense as well. And, you know, when you're intimate with someone in that way, you know, you are really, really sharing something energetically too. So I do think it's wise to not be particularly overly uh, casual about such matters. 
anyway, but you know, again, sometimes the lower self needs some some activity. So you know, I, I did. I had dived into that a bit. You know, also a big part of it was um, just enjoying you know going out on dates and meeting people. This particular uh, internet site really is an active one in that sense, and um, so I was able to do that. And again, I think it really really confirmed something. Uh, you know, I guess I'm I'm very lucky for someone in the mid 40s to be in the kind of shape and and you know and look the way that I do. I guess purely from a physical level, I guess too. I, I do tend to look a bit younger. Um, I, I stay in good shape. So you know, again, I think our ego needs a little stroking from time to time, <laughs> as for most human beings. So I certainly got it. But that said, um, you know, the coyote incident was definitely really profound for me in that sense because it definitely was a bit scary. Um, you know, I really could see how I was uh, drawn to that event. It was easy at a human level to get so irritated that you happened to catch this animal. But I think, you know, anybody of a metaphysical mindset knows and understands that, you know, the, the reality is, you know, there really are no accidents in that sense. I was meant for that to occur and it was a shamanistic passage I, I gotta say because it did it messed up my car a little bit um, it did throw me off psychologically and emotionally but I realized that if anyone's familiar with the energy of, of shamanism in that sense shamanistic passages often do involve a little bit of um, uh, sometimes difficult experiences also uh, that we have to overcome at some level. So this was a minor one, but it definitely kind of did the trick. And it was, you know, it was a couple of days later after the incident that I was sitting and watching a television show um, uh, uh, in, in the afternoon called The Doctors, and they were talking about uh, different, uh, I can't remember what they were talking about in terms of, of physical issues and difficulties and, you know, every single thing they brought up, I could immediately uh, would become aware of what the psychological and emotional causes behind those illnesses and how the person had brought that experience into their life. Um, really something I'm actually pretty knowledgeable about at this point. In fact, I often, you know, remind people that, you know, healing is a, a, a healing something. If we, we have an illness or sickness at any level, a disease is really works most effectively from a, the, a multi-pronged approach. If we address the emotional, psychological cause, and yes, it's the cause, and then we also address it at a physical level, you know, sometimes through a doctor, um, sometimes through traditional methods, sometimes through non-traditional methods, that's the most powerful way of, um, of shifting and changing not only the, the illness, but also the cause and the energy pattern behind that that we can often break these things if we're aware of, of uh, approaching it from that angle. Uh, so I'm, I'm talking away here, and I'm going to continue to, um, it looks like kind of a slow day in the chat room here, so I'm going to throw up the call-in number if anybody wants to call in and comment uh, or uh, ask a quick, for a quick five-minute uh, mini uh, uh, question answered. We can also do that, too. Uh, I do certainly appreciate your input. So if you are listening live and you do feel brave enough to make the call, that number is 646-200-3966. Again, that number is 646-200-3966. And I will pop that through again in probably another 10 minutes or so. Okay, so back to what I'm talking about here. Um, so um, 
you know, uh, and, and what what had happened that afternoon when I was watching the show was I realized that my abilities to read the process of of my own reality creation and others' reality creation had really have been enhanced somehow, um, uh, without question. I mean, it's something I guess I've always had, and I certainly remind my clients and obviously my listeners, um, you know, our thoughts or beliefs form our reality. So. Um, when we become aware of what our beliefs are in that sense, we have more power to potentially shift or change areas in our life that aren't really as a, working as effectively as we might like them to. So that's one of the things I do in personal session with people when I do life coaching, uh, navigational help is, um, you know, I try to uh, not focus as heavily on the uh, theatrics of, of doing a reading for someone and predicting their future. I mean, that, that does show up in cards sometimes fairly accurately. There is an element of that that is part of the process. But I, I'm far more adept and I see far more value at really, really tapping people into the process of their reality creating, why they're creating it, and how they even may even discreate something or shift gears. Uh, and uh, and change their reality, and we really absolutely do have the ability to do this. So, I think my encounter with Coyote really, really had en- enhanced those abilities with me. And it's funny because, you know, when I was studying and looking at what th- this this Coyote, this totem animal, does for us, um, all of those things were really profoundly fitting for what had been going on and what had had happened in that sense. Um, at, at multiple levels, it really was it really was pretty fascinating uh, what some of these meanings were. And if you're not familiar with animal totems, I mean, this is something that I, I, I do work with with people in private session also. And if anyone has read my column, um, they will notice that, you know, I do often talk about animal totems. Uh, I do think that they are um, really a powerful way to look at life and to tune into life in that sense. Um, uh, my expertise uh, leans more toward the Druid Celtic teachings in relation to the meaning behind animal totems, but um, there certainly are, you know, American Indian um, uh, uh, stories about animals and what they mean, as well as uh, many, many other cultures that have seen animals this way. So, coyote, I guess, was something that was somewhat new to me. Um, and in, in the Druid animals I've studied, you know, coyote is not part of that structure. Although, again, like I had mentioned in the piece, there's really an element, I think, that coyote to some extent is a little bit of the, the West's version of wolf. So there's certainly some, some correlation with that as well, too, that I think is, is absolutely significant. Um, you know, it's funny because I'll mention this about wolf, and I'll talk a little bit more about coyote here. Uh, so it looks like right now we don't have any callers, so I'm just going to babble away here for a bit and uh, talk about this subject. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because in the Druid tradition they see coyote, again I had mentioned this about crossing over difficult paths, coyote represents the shadow self. You know, when you hear pe- uh, uh, wolf, sorry, I'm, I'm, it's just so easy my mind is interconnecting the two. Um, so uh, the... the uh, the, the wolf totem in uh, the uh, Druid culture, of course, you know, you hear that expression, lone wolf. So wolves actually um, culturally uh, are known to mate for life. So it's kind of an interesting uh, thing to come to that realization about because we have that connotation of lone wolf 
um, and, and many people see themselves as lone wolves. But the reason people are often lone wolves is because they are uh, uh, they are afraid of allowing that intimacy, those intense feelings that often come to surface when they uh, when they fall in love or or, or uh, you know they allow themselves to open to intimacy. So and if you can look at this, you know, culturally through movies and TV, that this is almost always the case with characters like that, uh, like James Dean and things of that nature. So Wolf actually, surprisingly, in, in the in the Celtic and Druid cultures, is considered a good omen for relationship, because if wolves were seen in the vicinity of bridal parties, they they consider that a good sign that the, the relationship or marriage would last. Um, so there is definitely some correlation with coyote and and uh, wolf as well too. It's similar. So let's see. It looks like there's a caller here. So I think I'm going to grab the caller and then I'll come back to this uh, in just a few moments. Let me see if I can get this up and running here. Okay. Let's see. Five one nine. You are on air. Uh, who am I speaking to? Hi there. My name is Jennifer. Hey Jennifer. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, tell me why you're calling. Did you have a comment, a question? Tell me what's going on in your head today, Jennifer. I'm wondering what your take on the whole Ascension business is. Uh, the Ascension business. Um, yeah. And, and what, what, narrow that down a little bit for me in terms of what your question is. I, I certainly know um, what you're, you're referring to at some levels, but tell me what you're, you're referring to about us as individuals ascending, um, what's what's your context for this? Uh, I guess as individuals and the whole split. On the what's that? And the split. Right. So what, what you talk about ascension into, you mean you're talking about ascension in terms of our own evolution or mean like a physical ascension in that sense? Yes. Um, well, my take on it is, yeah, this is actually a good question. I'm, 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 I'm pleasantly <laughs> surprised by the question. It, it, it's certainly a good one. So, uh, again, good question. Um, you know, there's absolutely we, – we can look at this at multiple angles. Certainly from a, a reincarnational perspective, um, we do – there is a, a certain level of development or movement upward – in that sense, um, through through progressive growth through a series of lifetimes, in that sense as well. Uh, so there's certainly some element of that as being a, a process in and of itself. Ascension for us personally, in that sense, uh, you know, there's certainly many stories and tales of of people ascending, or you know, you hear the expression "ascended masters." In that sense as well, and there is some truth to that. Sometimes people actually ascend or advance or move forward even in an individual lifetime in that sense are you um are you talking about the the, the ascension also in the sense of, of leaving the physical um well everyone seems to have their own list of things that are happening when this is supposed to happen and all that jazz and i'm right. wondering okay is this being made into a bigger deal than it's like okay yeah it's going to be great but is talking about it going to make that much of a difference to what happened. Right. Are you talking about like things like the societal shifts or the predictions around 2012, or uh, in terms of uh, shift in, in society and for people in general, or or are you talking about like ascension in terms of the end of the world? Uh, more like um, shifts in people. Yeah. 
you know, you can, and, and again, that's a good question also, because you can look at that from multiple angles. You know, one of the things, you know, even looking at this from an astrological angle, approximately every 2,000 years we move into a different quote-unquote age. So from, uh, you know, from 0 AD approximately to approximately 2,000, we were in the Piscean Age. And now you hear the, uh, the, about the age of Aquarius. So uh, one of the predictions, I think, is technically that's supposed to come into play in sort of full force around 2012. That's one of the reasons why there's a lot of energy around that particular date also. So we, we've been in the space between Pisces and Aquarius. And, it, it, you know, from, from uh, and an easy way to explain this is you can really actually see this. The themes during, you know, uh, the last 2,000 years were much more Piscean in tone than necessarily Aquarian in tone. And the Pisces energy, we had a very predominant influence of Christianity, um, uh, which is about selflessness and giving and, and that duality that exists in consciousness in that sense. And at the best level, we see that represented the Christ consciousness, also very similar in Piscean and theme. And, you know, at its worst level, it can have to do with, uh, you know, the duality that exists within Christianity itself in that sense, where it can be ultimately kind and loving, and also at times w with people that follow that religion, really quite crappy in terms of, of the way this, they, they, they sometimes will treat others. So there's a duality that you see. And, and many of those themes of, 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 of giving and suffering were part of societal experience. So the Aquarian age um, is, is a different type of a focus in that sense. It's more about brotherhood and recognition of individuality and weirdness being kind of a prominent thing and a good thing as opposed to a bad thing. Uh, and, you know, technology and, 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 and growth and movement, again, in, in these, this kind of friendship-connected theme. You know, one of the things that you could even see that has happened in the last 10, 15 years or so dramatically is even through the Internet, I mean, there are people who have best friends in China that they play chess with through the Internet. So that's very Aquarian almost in its tone in that sense. It's a very big change in consciousness in that sense. So there is some truth to that, that there's a shift in, in consciousness and what the primary um, uh, attitudes and values are in terms of what people honor. So we're, we're still in that transition, but we're moving more into more of an Aquarian uh, perception and, and place to be. In fact, you even have a tremendous rise in people who are atheists now. And that was something that was rarely spoken or said um, during the Piscean Age. It was considered something very, very taboo. I'm personally not an atheist myself, but um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, but you, we do see that as becoming a more commonality. Again, not surprising in an Aquarian society to have the ability to kind of believe anything in that sense. So, Again, you know, in answering to the question about what this ascension is all about, you know, typically, um, you know, actually, I did a show a couple of shows back, and I talked about, I did a show called um, Is the End of the World Coming? Mm -hmm. And I, I was a little tongue-in-cheek there, because, and I think you're probably going to appreciate this, because what I kind of said is, you know, you know, I'm 45 years old, and I've heard a number of times about when the end of the world is coming. Um, and, you know, even when I was young, I used to kind of make fun of people a little bit for this because I thought that a lot of times this obsessive focus about when the end times are coming or Armageddon or the rapture or any of these other plans are coming, um, you know, you can go historically throughout every time and there was a different date when it was all going to end. 
You know, we even all experienced this. Remember back in 1999 when uh, we had the, was it called Y2K? Uh, all the people were totally convinced that, you know, planes were fall, falling out of the sky, all these things were going to happen because of the clocks and, all, you know, all this ridiculousness in that sense. And, you know, to me, I think that there's, there's a wisdom in knowing that society is shifting and that we're advancing and we're moving in new directions. And I think you'd have to be somewhat blind to not catch that there's a certain amount of movement. But I also think that, you know, our primary focus really also has to be on the development and experience of our own lives and to be willing to participate here and not kind of live for a possibility of something that might happen tomorrow. Do you think if people don't consciously try to shift their own perceptions that they'll just be shifted for them? Yeah, to some extent. You know, it's sort of like the – I don't know if you've ever heard this expression. It's one of my favorites. The word logos means – the word L-O-G-O-S means truth. Um, And the expression is all people come to the logos. Some come kicking and screaming. So – there's absolutely a wisdom in, in, in tuning in and getting it and, and going in that direction and making a conscious decision to open your eyes and, and become aware. Absolutely tremendous value there. But you'll, you'll go there anyway, whether you kind of like it or not. It's kind of like, even in a, even in a smaller context, uh, I'm not sure how old you are. I won't ask a lady how, how old she is. Uh, oh, I but, thought some um, things are still good, aren't they? People not right. asking ages. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, right, absolutely. You know, I remember back in the, do you remember back in the, the mid to late 80s to even early 90s how it was still sort of a social taboo for people to interracially mix? You know how, you know, you could watch a talk show and there'd be Ku Klux Klan members ra- rallying oh, yeah, about, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember that, how ridiculous yeah. it was at the time. I, I remember when I was in my early 20s at the time and thinking that, who cares? I always thought at a practical level that often the children of mixed uh, marriages were often like really attractive and healthy looking. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, they'd be going on and on about how terrible this all was. I was like, you're ranting about something that is going to happen whether you like it or not. So you're just wasting your energy. And mm-hmm. I, it's funny because that's a similar analogy I have to what's happening with the societal shift. You could rant and you could fight and you could drag your your, your feet as much as you possibly can, but the shifts will occur. We see this even politically with the extremes between the right and the left right now, in that sense. And I always say I'm an absolute moderate. I, I, would, I probably lean a little left, but I'm, I'm still basically an absolute moderate in my approach. But a lot of the really hardcore conservatives are really fighting diligently to keep it the old way, um, that, that fight for the old core values that they believe to be correct in that sense. And, and, and in some ways they're right. A lot of the, the, the core things like family and certain things are really ultimately important when it comes down to it. But they're fighting the changes in society. A lot of people are not marrying. A lot of people are cohabitating without um, marriage. A lot of people are marrying or getting together and not having children at all. You know, you've got gay people, you have, you know, you've got all kinds of different things within society, and they're often uncomfortable with those shifts and changes that are coming, but you'll never stop them. And, and that's the same analogy I have for this, the change in consciousness. It's happening. But typically, whenever there's a, a traumatic change in society and a shift, it always seems to get a lot more volatile before the shift finishes. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of living in pretty volatile times right now. 
because the shifts are pretty huge that are coming in terms of, of changes in, in the way we think and what we value. So um, whenever something in society um, is getting ready to lessen its hold, it often will get uglier and louder before it leaves in that sense. That's why I mentioned the thing about the racism issue. is It still exists but it's a far tamer issue, certainly in our culture, in our country, than it is uh, than it was 20 years ago. But it got really icky and really ugly before it, it quote-unquote, left. And I don't mean that it's completely left. There's still plenty of racist idiots that exist in this world in that sense, but they're much smaller in number, and they have much well, less power. Do you think that they're smaller in number, or they just keep their mouths shut? Yeah, I think to some extent it's a bit of both, right? I think that, but that's the whole thing. They're often afraid to open their mouths in that sense. Um, you know, the thing is, karma kind of takes care of these things. Whatever we resist and we resent and we hate will we'll reincarnate as that next. So I always laugh when I, when I think about people that are so adamant about, you know, people that hate women or hate gays or hate black people. or you know, I'm always like, you, you do realize what you're karmically setting up for yourself in that sense. You're pretty much coming in as that in that sense so that in order for you to grow. So, you know, that's the beauty is karma does balance things in, in that sense and in, in that way. Um, it just can – sometimes it takes a few shots before it's resolved. Some people will hold tightly to that kind of yucky kind of stuff. Always odd to me, I just guess I never got that. And I, again, it's something that I kind of, that I, I suggest is, is common for older souls. Uh, much more difficult to have racism or, you know, sexism or things like that as, as part of your nature, unless you were initially taught it. And then you'd probably reject it by the time you became a teenager or an adult. It's just it's funny, because when I was a little kid, there could be, I could be in a school with all white kids. If there was one black right. kid in it, that would be my friend. <laughs> right, right. And then you have the, the other side, which is the, the person that she looks for the for the, the unique. I know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've always been that way, too. Like, I like, I like the fact that people are weird or different. I think it's fascinating. And I, I think it's 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 funny to me how many people want to glom on to the safety net in that sense. Uh, I, for me, again, like I said, that has never really, really been my way. I never ever, like I said, I never got the racism thing. It never made sense to me. You know, people were either really cool or they were asses. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't matter whether they were young or they were old or they were female or they were, yeah. you know, black or white or Chinese or any. I mean, I just never got it. It always sort of didn't make sense to me to assume that an entire race of people were all the same way because of one person's quote-unquote behavior. Yeah. And certainly being white myself, I definitely saw a lot of asses that were white. So <laughs> I didn't put the, all white people in that category either, you know. All right, I got another question for you. Let's get off uh-huh. the for a moment. Um, do you find that people have lost their sense of humor? Uh, absolutely. Um, is, is it I because that... we're getting older, or is it because it's just the way the world's changing? You know what, and, and again, that's another good question, and I think that that relates to also a little bit of, you know, I, I've talked about this before on other shows, but astrologically, the outer planets kind of moved into Capricorn in about 2007, 2008, well, Pluto did at least. And that had a lot to do with the shift in um, with the uh, economy and various other factors. Capricorn energy, to me, in a larger sense, can often be a little staunch. There are Capricorn comedians and Capricorns that have incredible senses of humor, don't get me wrong. But as a general 
generalized energy pattern behind it is a bit staunch. And I feel like that's what, what originally has kind of happened. So I think you're, you're absolutely tapping into that correctly. That I think that, too. For me as a metaphysical person, and anyone who's ever heard me talk or read anything that I've written will often catch that I'm absolutely a huge wise-ass. I always have been. I always interject humor in circumstances and situations because, to me, there is no more powerful healing agent than humor. Absolutely. It, it just isn't. It's the ultimate. You know, even when I, 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 always, I always joke, because every time I, I have a miserable circumstance or situation, uh, some years ago when I moved into this condo I live in, the day of the move into my new condo out of my apartment, I, my realtor called me and told me that the bank had dropped my loan and the man who owned the condo wasn't allowing me to move in. And I remember I had all my stuff packed on a truck. I went to the apartment complex and told them I would have to stay for a few more days, and they said, no, we rented your place out. <laughs> I was 37. And I remember I went out to breakfast with my friends, like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I could stay here a few more days until we see if we can get, get another loan to go through. And, um, and I just started to laugh, and, and one of my friends said, what, what's going on? He was laughing. This is a horrible situation. I said, that's why I'm laughing. Because it couldn't get shittier. Yeah. And whenever, in, in, if, when it's that crappy, you just have to laugh. And that broke the whole momentum of it. I was like, I'm like, I'm 37 years old. I'm about to be homeless. Mm-hmm. Me and my cat on a on a truck. Oh, you poor cat. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I mean, even I had to stay in the, the apartment one more night, and I was just in bed, and everything else was on the truck, and it was me and the cat. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is so horrible. It's comical. The next morning, I got a phone call. The realtor found um, a bank that would take the loan. And I was able to move in the next day. Oh wow! And and you know what I think also did it. It was the um, it was the, uh, the the humor break. It yeah. was You know, it's so comical. I'm just gonna laugh. So I absolutely agree with you. I think that um, there is uh, people have a lot of problem with that. I think that you know I personally am a big fan of puncturing uh, the, the the sacred balloons that people have in that sense, because I think that, that that's really something that, that helps us to grow, that we don't hold so tight to um, the, these, these staunch pockets of areas where people are fearful and stuck and all of that, you know? Yeah, so. it's, it's, you know, I try to, people just look at me sideways because, you right. know, I try to inject some levity into every situation, but they just think right. I'm outer space. But I'm like, no, I'm not. This is called yeah, humor. Yeah, good. <laughs> are you are you the Amish comedian? Yeah. Okay, cool, excellent. Hey, listen, I actually I'm gonna have to. Um, I, I believe it was only a 45 minute show. I'm actually gonna have to to, oh. to sign off here in a few minutes. But uh, I do want to say. Oh no, you you did great. I'm I'm glad you called. I I I, I appreciate um, you you asking these questions. One of the things is aside from the fact that it's a live show, um, all the shows go to archive. So, in fact, I was just looking at that this morning about how many people have listened to the shows in the archives. Like, I'm actually rather amazed. So, all these shows will go to archives. And I just want to say I absolutely um, appreciate uh, the, the subjects you brought up. You are, definitely have a tremendous amount of insights. And uh, I hope you'll absolutely call in again. And uh, so, no, I appreciate your call. These were, were great subjects to talk about. I think you did more value than you know. Oh, thanks, Jim. And uh, okay. I'll try and listen again. Absolutely. Great. Thank you again, Jennifer. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
I want to say uh, these, these were great questions, um, absolutely. And hello, Amethyst72 as well. Uh, yeah, you're just catching the tail end of it. Yeah, you can go back over it. Uh, she brought up, uh, Jennifer uh, really asked some really great questions today. I, I love um, uh, that subject matter. Um, I, I really appreciated being able to, to dialogue with her a little bit about that. Um, I will be uh, adding to the shows and uh, doing this weekly in January in the, in the beginning. So I'm going to kind of get into a weekly routine. I'm going to commit to a once-a-week show on Thursdays. Uh, Sagittarius, who's having a heart attack, thinking about such a, <laughs> such a commitment. Uh, but I am going to do that. So, uh, so we have more time to talk and take those questions. And, and again, I appreciate all the insight and everyone's comments as well, too. And I welcome anyone to call in with questions or, or comments or perceptions. Absolutely. So, again, thank you, Jennifer. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk we're getting ready to sign off here. So I will be back on next month in November and uh, my uh, December show, probably the first or second Thursday of the month. Uh, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, please uh, email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com. I'll add you to the uh, monthly newsletter. And if you haven't read my book, go to Amazon, pick up a copy of my book. You'll love the humor in this book as well, Dirty Little Secrets by Jim Ventura. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, today. Bye. Have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.